the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 8,000. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you can save you from the might of all your sin. This is the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath. You have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ.
You can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come. He is a shelter from the coming storm. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ. You can find peace in Him from the judgment that's to come. shelter from the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel from my earliest memories, my heart has cried out for Jesus. Now, I must tell you, my journey has been filled with many mistakes, even deliberate rebellion. But he has always called me back to himself. He's always forgiven me for my sin and restored to me that urgent, crying hunger of my heart for Jesus. My journey has been long. It's been sometimes painful, so painful I thought I'd die. Always because of my rebellion my being drawn into the lust of the flesh or the pride of life. And always he brought me back and washed me and made me clean. And so my journey has been exceptionally painful in following Jesus because he took me from a small child of four years old where I began to have Jesus revealed to me. And I began to cry out with tears, asking Jesus to forgive me for my sins. I lived in a family where there was a morning and evening worship time of reading the scriptures and praying. My father was totally given over to Jesus, a gentle giant of a man. He loved Jesus. He grew up as a Methodist. 
He knew what holiness was. And he did all he could to encourage me in that holiness. As a small child, I would sit on his lap and he'd break out that big black Bible. And he'd begin to read to me portions of scripture and then talk with me about it. His lap was the safest place I knew as he talked to me about Jesus. But then when I was 13 years old, my mother and father sent me away to a boarding school, a Christian boarding school. And there I learned the ways of the world. My roommate was homosexual. I didn't even know what that was. But the French teacher would come by and he would engage with my roommate. And I was stunned. For I was in his French class one. He'd slip in and slip out of the dorm because he was a faculty member I began to learn the ways of darkness as I look back on the journey going on then to college a Christian college where again I learned the darkness of denominationalism. And then on to seminary where I learned what a cemetery was and more about the unbelievable wickedness of men's hearts. So that when I finally took a pastorate, I was far from Jesus. I started my ministry in western Pennsylvania, three churches that I would speak at each weekend, 200-mile driving radius, country pastor. And then I was invited to come to Washington, D.C., to Georgetown, and manage a ministry for the Sligo Church, a place called The Gate. It was a coffee house on M Street, downtown Georgetown. And again, I learned the utter depravity of denominationalism with wicked pastors who only wanted to advance their own agenda. But I also began to learn about my own lust for success and power to be somebody, to be something. The Lord began a process of drawing me out of denominationalism and separating me out to himself. That was not an easy transition. It was filled with much pain, uncertainty, 
could I survive? And not only did I survive, but Jesus carried me. I wanted one thing. I wanted to enter into the Holy of Holies and know Jesus. But I was unfit. I was filled with anger and bitterness and lust for success. Lust to become somebody. Lust to be known and recognized. But the Lord began dealing slowly, inch by inch, as I was led by the Spirit to slowly begin that journey toward the Holy of Holies. Now, I want to go back with you into the Old Covenant and the Old Testament. And I want to share with you the journey outlined in this model, for that's what the Old Covenant was. It was a a model to describe who Jesus was and what his work was. It was a pictorial diagram. It's necessary that we understand the path, the road. I wish someone had explained this to me many years ago, but I'm not sure I would have been wise enough to have applied it to my life. But I pray that you are wise enough and that you will apply it to your life. Now, I've been saying to you that you do not enter into the Holy of Holies or even into the courtyard with praise and worship music. That's not where praise and worship music takes place. The tabernacle was a tent called the tent of meeting. It was set up in the middle of the camp of the children of Israel in the wilderness. They took it with them dissembling it and then reassembling it at each place where they stopped until finally it was established in Israel and Eli was the high priest. But let's walk through the layout of this tabernacle because it will instruct us on each step that we must take. And some of you will immediately find that you have skipped some of the steps. Remember, in Pilgrim's Progress, men jumped over the wall and Christian confronted them and said, you will not be received when you arrive because you bypassed the narrow gate. Remember, Jesus said, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And that was through that narrow gate because there is a broad way and there is a narrow way. And so this outline, you cannot skip a a place. 
if you have skipped a place, you're going to have to go back and redo it. Every part of this is absolutely essential if you are going to finally be allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies. This is the normal life process. It's the normal journey in the school of the Holy Spirit. It's the path the Lord has taken me on. And I have tried to skip parts and I've had to go back and redo and redo and redo. When you come to the tabernacle, to the front entrance, it is facing due west with your back to the east because as you come to this tabernacle you must deny the gods of the east you must deny the gods of the sun worshipers you turn your back on the world's religion you turn your back on every part of the world's religion so you turn your back on Islam, on Buddhism, on Shintoism. You turn your back on all the world religions and you come as a supplicant to that entrance where you begin your journey toward the Holy of Holies. The first article of furniture you come to is called the bronze altar or the altar of burnt offering. You'll remember this, and I'm not going to do this with each item of furniture, but I want to take you quickly uh, to Romans, and I'm going to take you to the sixth chapter in the book of Romans. where it talks about being crucified with Christ, being united with Christ. And then if you go to Romans, the 12th chapter, Romans, the 12th chapter. Let me read this aloud. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices or as as literally a living martyr holy and pleasing to god this is your spiritual act of worship do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Okay, let's come back. This bronze altar is the altar of burnt offering. It is where Paul says you must cast your body upon that altar, that burning altar. You'll remember what I just shared with you in Romans, the sixth chapter, it says you must be crucified with Christ. Another saying the same thing, you must die. 
So the first thing as you come into that door, into the courtyard of the tabernacle, long before you enter the tabernacle of God, the first task, you must be crucified with Christ. You must lay your body on the altar of burnt offering. Your world ends. You confess your sin before Almighty God, and then you give your life over to him. Now, I have struggled with this, and I have had to come back time after time to this bronze altar and start the journey all over again. For me, this has not been a quick trip through. It's been a slow and arduous trip because I have not wanted to sacrifice everything. I've wanted to have a small space in my world that is my space. I can do what I'd like to do there. Remember, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But you will make no progress in the Christian's life if you don't come to this altar and lay on this altar your life. It is choosing Jesus as your life. You must lay your life down at the very beginning. So, how do you do that? You do that with confession of all known sin. You do that with an honest, repentant heart that God will give to you if you ask him. Pride will keep you from that honest, repentant heart. The lust of your heart will keep you from that. I've learned these things the hard way. You cannot come into the courtyard of God and begin singing songs of praise and worship and expect that that's going to usher you into the Holy of Holies. It will not. In fact, you'll be cast out. You will not be allowed to enter. You can only enter through this door to the bronze altar with the blood of a bull or a goat or a lamb. You can only enter by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have to have the blood of Jesus Christ. How do you receive that? With confession of all known sin? with humbling of your heart, giving away your bucket list and your dreams and all that you desire for your life. I had so many things I wanted. I had so many things that I was eager to do and be. Of course, for God. And he sent me back to the bronze altar. saying you can't enter until your life is on that altar of burnt offering. Now, I'm going to try to say this in a way you can understand and hear me, but when your life is finally laid on that bronze altar, your life is no longer yours, and you have given up everything of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you have died. 
you've been crucified with Christ. Jesus called it when he spoke with Nicodemus, you must be born from above. You cannot be born of the flesh, you must be born of the spirit. When you come through that door, number one, you face your death. Now, as you move past that bronze altar, where you have laid it all down, you come to the laver or the bronze basin filled with water. And there you must wash. You must wash and change your clothes. You are given the clothes of righteousness. You no longer do the old things you did when you entered through that door. You now have a whole new way of living. And it is not focused on you. It is focused on others. I struggle with a man who wants to be a Christian. But all he wants to talk about is what he wants. He wants a wife. He wants money. He wants healing. He wants, he wants, he wants, he wants. He can't make any progress in the real Christian journey until he lays all of that I want on the bronze altar. And when you come to the bronze basin and you begin to allow the sprinkling and the washing by the Holy Spirit of your whole being, And you begin to dress in clothes of linen, in righteous acts, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Finally, when you're dressed, you're allowed to make your way toward the actual tabernacle of God. At that bronze basin, basin, I'll tell you what I discovered. It is a mirrored surface. The basin is. So you can see yourself. And as you see yourself for who you are, you will likely, as I have been, sent back to the bronze altar that those things that I saw in my heart and in my life, I had to go back and lay those on the bronze altar to be burned to let Jesus finish this work in my heart. Now you recognize that if you're a part of the modern church, the belief is you can waltz right on past all of this, right into the Holy of Holies with your foolish music, that you are covered by the imputed grace of Christ. Meaning, the grace of Jesus covers over your sin. You are still a sinner. And you think that you can enter into that 
most holy place, still a sinner before God, and that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you, he just sees Jesus. That goes contrary to everything in the model. I want to tell you that the journey I'm describing is a journey where Jesus washes and cleanses you of your sin, and you walk holy before him without that sin. Either known or unknown, it's all washed away. And righteousness is imparted to you. Now let me give you just very quick definitions. Imputed means you are covered. The righteousness of Jesus is counted for you, but you are still a filthy sinner. In in the old covenant, that was true. You were declared righteous. You were said to be righteous because no sins could be forgiven by the blood of bulls and goats. All that did was cover over the sin until Jesus died on Calvary. But when Jesus died on Calvary, then the blood of Jesus opened the way into the Holy of Holies, and you could enter into his presence. Because now you're not declared righteous, you're made righteous. So in the old covenant, you are declared righteous. But in the new covenant, you are imparted real righteousness, innocence. The word righteousness just means innocence. So in one, you are covered, old covenant, by the law. In the new covenant, you are made righteous. The word justified simply means in the old, old English, made righteous, made innocent. So you come to the laver, and as you wash, you may, by the power of the Holy Spirit, see parts of your heart and parts of your life that will drive you back to that bronze altar. And many people that I know bounce back and forth between the bronze basin and the altar and they never make it into the Holy of Holies, and they never make it into the holy place of God. They remain as children, repenting and sinning, repenting and sinning, repenting and sinning. It's the story of their life. And of course, modern Christians are very quick to say, oh, you're saved. God loves you with unconditional love. No, he doesn't. If God loved you with unconditional love, there would be no hell. There would be no day of judgment. Everybody would be saved. But that's not the case. Only the righteous will be saved. So the path comes to the bronze basin and there's a process of washing and cleansing And then when that process is finished, you can enter into the holy place of God. 
you enter the holy place of God and there you are fed from the table of consecrated bread, one loaf for each of the tribes. Remember, Jesus said, my flesh is real food. I am the bread of life. Now, it can also have another meaning, and that is your life is now laid out before God. You totally belong to him. And you are his to use as he chooses, in whatever way he chooses. You're no longer chasing a dream. You're no longer chasing what you believe you'd like to do and be for God. You're now humbly waiting on the, on the word of the living God. You are directed by the Holy Spirit. Across from that table of consecrated bread is the lampstand with the lamps burning. Now we could go into much depth on these, but I'm trying just superficially to bring you into the journey. That journey when you come into the Holy of Holies is where the anointing of the Holy Spirit takes place. It's the place from which Pentecost sprang. It's the place from which you, if you follow the path, can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Your mind and your heart will be illuminated. And there, there is the bread of life to feast upon. The scriptures, reading and prayer, fasting, crying out to God. Now there is in front of you a curtain. And you know that if you have any sin and you enter behind that curtain, you will die. For in that place is the actual living presence of the Holy God of Heaven. Now, in the Old Covenant, the altar of incense stands in front of that curtain as you face the Holy of Holies. In the writer of the book of Hebrews, he places that, that altar of incense inside the Holy of Holies. Now, there's a very specific reason for this. In the, under the Old Covenant, that altar of incense had to be on the outside because the curtain was solid. It had not been rent. And you could not go behind the curtain to pray. You were limited in where you could go. Aaron was only allowed to enter that Holy of Holies once a year. And only with the blood of bulls and goats only with incense. He had to offer blood for his own sin, unknown, and he had to offer the blood for the children of Israel, for their sins of ignorance, the scripture calls them. 
deliberate sin had already had to be taken care of by offering offerings at the bronze altar. But on the Day of Atonement, Aaron would enter into that most holy place to offer the blood. But as we come to that curtain, we're told over here in Hebrews ten nineteen, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart that is with an uncracked heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. That's Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. And so as we, as we come into this holy place, we're anointed by that fire as Christians. And we partake of the body of Christ. And as we look toward the Holy of Holies, we see that the curtain has been torn. We see that God in his great mercy has opened the way for us to enter into that Holy of Holies. Hebrews 6, I'll begin in 17. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, that is, an oath and a promise. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. So as we look at this diagram of what God has done for us, we enter into that holy place. And there we wait for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There we feast on the consecrated bread. The curtain has been torn. It is now wide open to us. And the first thing we see is the altar of incense in that Holy of Holies. Because you enter into that Holy of Holies with prayers, with praise, with worship. Because God has, through the blood of Jesus Christ, opened the way to the Holy of Holies for his people. 
There is also in the Holy of Holies the Ark of the Covenant. Covenant means cut. The hand, cut. The hand of the other person, cut. Their blood mixed. It's a covenant that cannot be broken. That covenant was made between God the Father and God the Son before the creation of the world. In that place there is the ark that holds the Ten Commandments. The jar of manna. The broken body of Jesus. There is the mercy seat of pure gold. The ark is made of acacia wood and overlaid with gold. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And over that is the solid gold. It is the mercy of God brought forth by the blood of Jesus without us earning it. Man's works do not earn it. Salvation is a free gift. It is not by works. It is by faith. And so you come into that holy of holies. You come in with prayers that ascend before the throne of God. You come with praise. You come with worship. Do you understand? You don't come into the bronze altar with praise and worship. Because for a sinner to come and try to enter the most holy compartment would be a total abomination before God. You come into the Holy of Holies with prayers, with praise, with worship. And on that golden ark, two cherubim guard the visible presence of God. It is filled with the cloud of God's glory. Most of us have not entered that Holy of Holies. Most of us have had to go back to the bronze altar and again deal with the wickedness of our hearts. But we enter the Holy of Holies only in one way. We enter by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 14 of chapter 9, Hebrews nine fourteen. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience? from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So all sin sin of ignorance and deliberate are all forgiven by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
He comes not to cover our sin, but to destroy the work of the devil in our hearts, to set us free, to do away with all sin by the sacrifice of himself. It's destined for every man to die and then to face judgment. And Jesus was sacrificed once to lift off from us our sin. And he will appear a second time not to bear our sin, not to, not to carry our sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He will bring salvation to us. Now, chapter 10, verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never be by the same sacrifice repeated endlessly year after year to make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, they would, not have, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshiper would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But Jesus, he says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, this is verse 11 of chapter 10, Hebrews 10, verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when the priest has offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. This is the covenant I will make with them. Verse 16. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them in their minds. Now what becomes very clear what becomes very clear is that we must make this journey if we ever expect to reach the Holy of Holies and have that intimate fellowship with Jesus. I can assure you now, Jesus loves you with all of his heart. The Father loves you because you have loved Jesus. But he calls you to make this journey where you die to yourself and you are crucified by Christ. He doesn't want you to stay at the cross. He wants you to come on through the cross and live in the glorious journey of being made holy. He wants you to walk through and by faith 
know that your sins are forgiven, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now no condemnation. Romans, the eighth chapter. Romans, the eighth chapter, is the normal life of the Christian. And he comes urging you, begin the journey. Walk it out. And I can testify today that as I've walked it out, Jesus has more and more isolated me to himself. Now, he won't isolate you in the same way because you don't have the same assignment that I have. But in my life, he said, you will not begin your real work until the latter part of your life. Well, now I'm closer to the end than I was to the beginning. I'm in the latter part of my life. This is when he said, when he spoke to me and told me, you will not begin your work until the latter part of your life. I now look back and I understand that these Issues had to be dealt with one by one as I walked through them. As I was disciplined by the Lord, Romans, no, Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. He says, my son, this is chapter 12, verse 4. Five, in your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and you've forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as son. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, his education. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. That is, he flogs everyone. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Verse 9, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in the holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I am now experiencing much of that harvest of righteousness and peace in my life because I have given everything into the hand of Jesus. I have submitted to his discipline, but he has isolated me to such a degree that I say, is it ever possible for me to break out of this isolation? Others can come on. They can create a YouTube. And then soon they're going to have 100,000 people watching their YouTube. That doesn't happen with me. I know why. God has his hands around me and he's limiting the number of people who can listen to these broadcasts and understand them. But the day is coming when his Holy Spirit will be poured out 
and then people will listen to these broadcasts and they will be filled by the Holy Spirit as they submit to Jesus, as they walk with him. It's amazing to me, the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the love that Jesus has for us. I'm overwhelmed by his love. I no longer have any personal agenda. It's all about him. And walking honestly and humbly day by day in his presence. He says, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Make every effort to live at peace with all men and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's not imputed holiness. That's imparted holiness. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I have no root of bitterness. The Lord has taken them out of my heart. I now simply submit joyously and sometimes painfully to the journey of righteousness, to the school of the Holy Spirit. Well, we're out of time for today. Thank you for listening. And just a heads up, today is the last day of the month. And radio has been covered for this month by the grace of Jesus Christ. He moved in several of you yesterday who gave hilariously. Thank you. And radio for this month is covered. We'll now begin on the month of March. God bless you. I love you. I'm praying for you. Pray for me. I'll talk to you soon. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.